Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more information like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on the basis of Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46, on the topic of the sixth and seventh petition. and mercy and peace are all yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever heard an illustration before that that involved an iceberg? Kind of a a strange question, I I presume, but believe it or not, actually the the illustration of an iceberg shows up quite a bit in in books and in movies, um, and, and it's normally used to make a pretty specific point. Because typically, an iceberg, uh, the mass of an iceberg, that is, exists 10% above the the surface of the water, but 90% of the mass of an iceberg exists below the surface of the water, which which means that that most of an iceberg you you can't even see with with your eyes. And so people use this illustration to talk about all kinds of things. For example, they might use it to talk about people. That there's more to a person than what we can observe with our, with our eyes. People have hopes and, and dreams and fears and secrets and all sorts of, of unseen things. What you can see with your eye, much like an iceberg, it tells only a fraction of a person's story. Now, now, we may not think that this is the, the case, but it actually takes a decent amount of humility for us to uh, recognize that, first of all, but also to admit that, that there's more to somebody's story than what we can see and observe with our, with our eyes. That at any given moment, there is, is more going on than what meets our eye. Now, that's not just true with people or icebergs. <laughs> It's also true in in our world. At any given moment, including right now, there there are millions of things happening that that we can't see, that that we can't observe. But the Bible tells us that that this is happening. That there is an, an unseen spiritual war going on around us, even right now, even as we sit here right now. And just because we can't see this spiritual war doesn't mean that it's made up or fake. This spiritual war for your soul is very much real. And so it's with that thought, with that context, that we're going to read our gospel lesson for today. That's going to serve as the basis of the sermon. As I introduced at the beginning of the service, this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's less than a day away from, from being on the cross. It's late, on, late, late on Thursday night here. And so if you want to follow along in the bulletin or on the, on the screen in front of you, we can do that. Picking up at verse 36, it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, 
My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell, on his fa- he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord. So, at this point, a little bit earlier in the evening, Jesus has finished celebrating the Last Supper with his disciples. He celebrated this in this upper room, and you might remember a few of the events that happened there. Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he instituted the Lord's Supper, and he even pointed out his betrayer. But now they wrap up that last supper, and they leave that upper room, that they walk through the streets of Jerusalem, out of the gates of Jerusalem, that they descend into the Kidron Valley, and up the, the, the Mount of Olives, and on the Mount of Olives there, not, not too far from the city gates, is this Garden of Gethsemane, a place where Jesus has gone to, to meet with his disciples quite often. And, and so as they uh, approach the, the Garden of Gethsemane, s- somewhere near the entrance, Jesus says to the bulk of the disciples, you stay here and, and I'm going to go over there and, and pray. And he takes with him, it says, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that, that was James, and John, this is Jesus' inner circle of disciples. And he takes Peter, James, and John with him, and they walk a little bit further into the, the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, now, in this garden, a lot of stuff is going to happen to Jesus and, and to Peter, James, and John. And a lot of the stuff that, that is happening is not stuff that we can see with our eyes. But let's start with with Peter and with James and with John here. These three were given a very simple command by Jesus. You heard it. He said, stay here and keep watch with me. Now, it it seems pretty simple, not complicated. We can understand that. The disciples understood it. But but even so, even though it seems pretty simple, I think uh, at least I am asking myself a question when, when he says that. I'm asking, what does it mean to keep watch? And what or who are they supposed to keep watch for? Uh, Logically, maybe our brains go to that that mob of people that are going to be coming to arrest Jesus, right? That's what we're supposed to be keeping watch for. And we can say that because we know the rest of the story, right? They, They didn't know that at that time. That seems like it would be a logical thing. But I think we get a little glimpse as to what Jesus was talking about when he comes back from praying the first time. And he finds the disciples asleep, and then he says this, 
couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? And he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus' command to keep watch was not just an earthly, physical command, but Jesus is trying to alert the disciples to to the spiritual dangers that, that are around them. He's trying to alert them to the fact that the devil and his demons are doing their level best to tempt the disciples. That there is a a spiritual assault being waged on the disciples and Jesus is imploring them to watch and pray so that they will not fall into this temptation. Now, now what exactly the the nature of the temptation was for the disciples, it's unclear. We we aren't told what the nature of of the temptation was. Was But what we can learn from this section of Scripture and from other sections of Scripture is this. When God gives a command, the devil is there to work against that command with his temptations, with his enticing. We can see that to be true in the world around us too. That, that doesn't stop in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. Where God gives a command... The devil is constantly working against it. We can see that happening in the world around us. You could see the devil working to tempt people in the world around us, moving groups of people to believe a a certain thing that that pushes them further away from from Jesus and and his word. We can see that in, in other people's lives around us. And we can see the devil working against God's clear command, sadly, in our own lives as well. God's commands are clear. There's no, there's no disputing that. When we look at God's commands, we can walk ourselves through the Ten Commandments and find this to be true. Don't worship other gods. Yep, that, that, one's, that one's pretty clear, right? Revere God's name. Also clear. Set aside some time for worship. Clear. Respect authorities, protect people's bodily welfare, honor God's gift of marriage, protect people's property, protect people's reputation, be content. All these commands from God are perfectly, perfectly clear. We can understand that. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to to understand that. But we would be somewhat foolish if we thought that just because we could understand something, that we could also keep that command or, or do that command perfectly. <laughs> we know that we don't do that. Just look at the disciples here. It was a pretty simple command, right? Stay here, not hard. Keep watch. It was understandable. The disciples understood what Jesus was saying and yet their, their spirit, although it may have been willing, their flesh, it, it was weak. You and I, we have that same weak flesh. We don't like to admit that, think about that, talk about that too often. We like to think that we're, we're self-sufficient, that we have power on our own, and that because we can understand God's clear commands, that that means that, that we have the power to keep them. Yet, if we think that, that that's our sinful pride feeding us delusions, and these delusions are, are, are hard, are, are dangerous for us. They're dangerous because... We tend to overestimate my own ability, your own ability, and we underestimate the the attacks of the devil and how cunning the devil is with his enticing and with his 
temptations. That's what those pair of second readings was, was teaching us today. And it's a good thing that we, we read through sections of Scripture like that and that we have those because without that, we wouldn't be convinced. We need to be convinced that, that sin is actually a dangerous thing. It's not harmless. We need to be convinced that, yeah, the devil is, is real. He's not this red figure with little horns and a pitchfork. He, he is real and he wants your destruction. And, and we'd be foolish to think that we can willingly walk into sin and think that we would have the power to walk out of sin. Sin wants to devour you. The devil wants to devour you. He is constantly on the prowl to do so. And that's what 1 Peter 5 taught us today. God has, has, has warned people of this since the beginning of, of time. Cain and Abel were, were the, the, the second group of human beings on the earth. They were Adam and Eve's sons. And God was already coming to Cain and saying, sin is not this small, innocuous thing that, that, is, that is harmless. No, sin desires to have you, control you, and own you. And James tells us that, that when sin is full-grown like that, there's consequences to that. Sin full-grown gives birth to death. And so we hear all of that. And first of all, it's pretty heavy stuff, right? And we hear all of that and we think, when we're going to pray the sixth, sixth and seventh petition, to, to lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil, with all of those dangers, with the danger of sin and the devil, we ought to be in desperation praying that, that prayer. We ought to be begging God to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You would think that, but we don't need to be. The believer does not need to, to pray in desperation. The believer doesn't pray begging God to, to deliver us from evil, because the believer prays that prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. They, they pray that prayer fully aware of the threats that exist around us, because the Bible tells us that, but thoroughly confident that Jesus has crushed the head of Satan and has wiped away sin's power. The believer is confident in this prayer because the believer trusts in Jesus who took our place. He was our, our substitute. You see, Jesus never gave in to, to temptation. He never gave in to the schemes of the devil. You can go all the way back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, very, very beginning of his ministry. After he was baptized, it says he was thrown into the, the desert, the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil. And we actually have three recorded temptations that, that Jesus was brought by the, the devil. But Jesus never gave in to temptation there in Matthew chapter 4. And he never gave in to temptation for his entire life, including in the Garden of Gethsemane, this scene that we read for this morning. Now, as you can imagine, the, the temptations of the devil had to be numerous and intense at this time. The devil has his last chance to derail Jesus and his plan to save. We're not given the exact nature of his temptation, but, but we can be confident of this, that he never gave in. That, that Jesus was perfectly obedient to the will of the Father. 
You saw that in his prayer, right? You can see the reality of this temptation, the reality of the devil's attack as Jesus is praying, if, this, if it's possible to take this cup from me, let it be so, but, but not my will, not what I want, but what you want, God. He is praying to his Father and he is showing that his will is perfectly in line with the Father and that he's willing to submit to the will of the Father to complete his work. You know, Jesus was just as tired and just as weak as the disciples were at this time. Jesus is carrying the weight of the world's sins on his shoulders. He, is, he has a weak human flesh, just, just like we do. He, get, he got tired as well. Yet, yet in his tiredness and in his weakness, he still didn't give in. He kept watch perfectly. The disciples couldn't do that, but he did. And he did that for you and for me and for the disciples. This was his work as our high priest. And so the writer to the Hebrews is going to tell us why this is important for us. And the fact that Jesus did do this perfectly, he says this. He says, For we do not have a high priest, he's talking about Jesus here, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, Yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way. Every way. We haven't even been tempted in every way. Jesus was tempted in every way, yet he never sinned. And he did that for you and for me. So that when the Father looks at you, he doesn't see someone who understands his commands but fails to keep them, but he sees Jesus. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus in his perfection. He, he no longer sees a sinner, but he sees a perfect child of, of God. And so when we approach God, we, we don't have to approach him cowering as if he is some angry master, but we approach him as a, a, a son approaches their father. And with confidence, we can pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Keep us safe and protect us, dear Savior. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you conquered temptation, you conquered evil, and you conquered the devil. Allow those truths to comfort our souls and give us confidence as we face the spiritual battles of this world. Lord, we are weak. We give in to temptation every day. Daily remind us that we are forgiven because of your work. That when the Father looks at us, he sees your perfect life. Be with us, Lord, and, and never abandon us. Be our strength and our defense. We pray all this in your holy name. Amen.